Why was Jesus rejected in his hometown? That's the question we're discussing today on the Hero of the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you focus on the gospel in every area of your life and ministry. I'm Aaron Armstrong, and with me, as always, is Brian Dembozik. So, Brian, today we are talking about a very interesting passage, and and one that that sometimes uh, people aren't quite sure what to do with. Um, We are looking at the time Jesus was rejected in his hometown of Nazareth. We know a fair bit about this passage. A lot of people will, will have heard it preached here and there uh, um, in many different ways. But uh, I mean, let's let's just kind of set the stage for this. I mean, this is still in the early days of Jesus' ministry, right? Yeah, it's still, he, he's in Galilee. It's probably concurrent. If you listen to the last episode, it's probably concurrent with the those miracles that were recorded in Mark 1. And so Jesus is just on, he's just coming on the scene. He's, we know he's been baptized. We know he's had some encounters. He's probably done some miracles, but um, this is kind of his first big public teaching debut, it seems. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's probably taught before, mm-hmm. but it's still at that early people at words just getting around. Again, remember the internet was not existing back then, of course. So it's not it like wasn't? everybody. No, it wasn't. It may be oh. surprising to you. <laughs> Um, but it's not like everybody was immediately able to pull up his teachings and understand word of mouth spread about this new teacher. Yeah. He was different. He was doing some things. And a lot of people probably were open. All right, let me hear this person out. And so the the, the tenor of the crowds early on are that kind of, and even the Jewish leaders, it, mm-hmm. it's this, okay, I'll give you a chance. Uh, we know the Jewish leaders quickly turn away from him and say, no, 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 we don't like you. But the people are open really open early on but they're yeah. still exploring what what do you have to say and we're gonna see uh, they kind of turn on him at least one group in the synagogue in his hometown turn on him yeah and it happened kind of suddenly oh yeah all right, so that, that kind of sets some of the scene, but um, you know, as we continue to discuss this, I would assume that you're familiar with the, with the passage, but if not, take like five minutes and go and read Luke chapter four, verses 16 through 31. It's only going to take you about five minutes to do this. But in this passage, um, we see this really cool moment because it is the Sabbath and Jesus is in the synagogue and um, he gets called on to read um, read from the scroll of Isaiah. And just as a, as a free bonus question, if you've ever wondered if Jesus was literate, if Jesus could read, uh, yeah, he could because he reads a scroll in this passage. So, yep, Jesus could read. Um, (laughs) so, um, so he goes and he reads this passage from Isaiah and, um, and it was a very fascinating one. And that actually leads into what is really our first question about this passage, which is why, um, why did he read what he did from Isaiah? Yeah. And as you said, the scroll was handed to him, uh, back in that day, of course, you would not have a full copy of, of the scriptures. Uh, it's not in book form. It's on scrolls and scrolls were limited in length. So it's likely it wasn't even the full Isaiah, uh, book of Isaiah on one scroll. It was probably multiple scrolls. So this portion of Isaiah is handed to him. We would say God providentially arranged for this because this scroll has Isaiah 61. 
And if you read closely, you'll recognize that the scroll was handed, but then Jesus found this passage to read within it. So he he chose this for a reason. And this is what he read. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually read beyond. If you are following along in Luke 4, you will notice I'm gonna read beyond because Jesus stops mid-verse. Uh, so Luke, Isaiah 61 rather, says, The Spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He ends there, but the verse continues. And the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn to Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of despair. And they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify him. That's Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. So he read this, this first part that he quoted, that he read and stopped rather, we know is messianic. And the group listening would have recognized that as a messianic prophecy, which is why he says, hey, today this has been fulfilled. And we're going to talk about that in a minute more. But what he didn't read was the rest. And if you look at that closely, that deals with his second coming that we read about in Revelation 19. It's talking about the day of the Lord, which will be a day of vengeance for all those who disbelieve, a day of celebration for those who believe. Um, and so here we see Jesus stopped with what's appropriate for his first coming. He pauses and doesn't read what was appropriate for his second coming. Why is this significant? Because it clues us in that he knew of his ultimate rejection that was going to come. That, that that return did not immediately follow um, because of the people rejecting. So this actually, where he stops clues us into what's going to happen in the synagogue itself just in a moment after this. That's one of those things that's really interesting about Old Testament prophecies is, is that although we read them in a linear fashion, that doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to um, be fulfilled in the same kind yeah. of linear fashion. Um, and that that's one of those reasons that, that it can get really confusing really quickly um, because, well, for multiple reasons. One, it's written from it, they're kind of written from God's perspective. Two, they um, they just they're not written from a traditional Western reading standpoint. Um, but one thing that we do need to absolutely take away and always make clear, and Brian, you've already done a great job of this, but just to reiterate, um, when Jesus is talking about this being fulfilled, what he is reminding them is what they already understood, which is that he is the Messiah and that he had come to bring healing and blessing to the world. And ultimately, what that meant was he was get, he was released. So when it talks about... Um, proclaiming uh, liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners when he's with good news to the poor. Ultimately, these things are about our spiritual condition. Um, if we think about, um, and it, as we think about how God has, about how Jesus had talked about um, people when he, when he opens the be the opens the sermon on the mount with the beatitudes and he's like blessed are the the poor in spirit and um and and things like this 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 connects to that um in a really profound way and so he's pro his pro the liberty that he proclaims um 
certainly there are earthly connotations to to these to these things but he's but he is talking about our our captivity toward to sin as well and so one thing that we do want to be wise about in when we approach this passage and seek to understand it seek to teach it and apply it is we want to make sure that while there are implications there for how we should think about how we show compassion to other people we need to not um, ignore the fact that there is this deeply significant spiritual component to it and that first and foremost that was what jesus was talking about everything else that we do flows from that truth so um the next question that we should ask though is um why did the people go from speaking well of jesus and we see this in verse 22 um, to wanting to kill him just seven verses later uh, in verse 29. So, Brian, what, what do you say about that? Well, and this is, I mean, it, it's fascinating. This is one of my many favorite passages in Scripture. Um, <laughs> add this to the list. Um, so what you have happening is is Jesus, of course, reads from this clearly messianic prophecy, as we've talked about. He claims to be the Messiah. He, it's fulfilled. I'm the Messiah. This is his way of saying that. And you'll notice the people speak well of him. After this, they're... There's, hey, these are gracious words. Um, they are open and willing to believe and accept this idea that the Messiah is, is in their midst. Then Jesus continues. And he says, now, you know, you, you may not receive a prophet well in your hometown. And he tells them two Old Testament stories. And it's, it's fascinating why he does this, and, and I would believe it's because he knew their hearts and he didn't want to leave them in superficial belief. He wanted to push them toward deeper trust in him, the fullness of who he is. Because what he references are two Old Testament passages where God bypassed Israelites to meet the needs of Gentiles. So Jesus chooses two passages from the Old Testament to mention to talk about God's care for Gentiles. This is what enrages them. This is what they cannot tolerate because of religious nationalism of Israel in that day, that they wrongly believed that God only cared about Israel instead of positioning Israel to be his spokespeople to the world. They failed to grasp the beauty and truth of Genesis 12, 1 through 3, where God told Abraham through him and his family, God would bless all the families all the people groups of the world. Jews in that day had forgotten that or neglected that or rejected that, whatever the case may be, and believed that God only cared about them and that all Gentiles deserve condemnation and so forth. So what Jesus does is he plays into this. He's trying to expose their sin. He's trying to expose their short-sightedness and prompt them to deal with this to trust that he is the Messiah in fullness. Again, not their definition of Messiah. And so this, of course, is what causes the switch to flip. Night and day difference here from speaking words well about him to speaking about wanting to kill him. They go from that to that so quickly because of their misunderstanding of God's heart for all the people, for all of the nations. Yeah, and this is honestly, this is something that 
I think we're all prone to forget sometimes. Um, we There's always a tendency within us to look at someone and say, well, but not for them. Yeah. And I mean, certainly, and, and I mean, I'll, I'll just admit there, there have been times when it's like, when it's someone that I don't like, especially, um, or someone who has offended me, um, it can get really tempting to, to feel that way that it's like God's grace is sufficient for everything, but not for that guy. And, um, and that is that problem that these people in the synagogue experienced that's still with us today and it's on and it's honestly it's something that can still exist within within bodies of believers that we need to work against in uh in our in our thinking and in our hearts is to remember that the gospel is for all people and that the gospel is, and that god's grace is big enough for anybody and so we we need to be willing to extend that and show both in um, how we behave toward people, but also in terms of how we work to make sure that they know and hear the gospel wherever there are people. And that right. is incredibly important for why we exist at all. Um, and that actually leads to our, our primary, which our biggest question of all, which is how does this point us to the gospel? Yeah, I mean, this one—the first one's a gimme. Uh, Jesus mm-hmm. is the Messiah. He's the long prophesied one. Uh, he is the fulfillment of all those promises in the Old Testament, pointing toward the one who would come to make provision for sin and provide salvation, uh, to bring uh, sight to the spiritually blind, and um, to heal us from our sin. He is the Messiah. That's that's the big idea here, of course. Um, and it couples to, you know, what else he said? He, he came to bring good news, which is what gospel means. Yeah. Uh, he came to bring good news of salvation from sin. So uh, this one's a little bit more on the, on the nose. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that because sometimes, sometimes the Bible's really on the nose. Yes, it is. Sometimes you know? it's pretty clear. Yep. And, so, and you know, we work on a, we, we work on a Bible study where the titles are sometimes really on the nose too. <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> So if anyone listens to um, the the leader training uh, shows for, for any of our age groups for the Gospel Project, uh, you'll often hear Brian and uh, Karen Jones, who's our preschool editor, uh, me and Daniel Davis, who's um, our adult content editor, um, and Annie McLean, um, who uh, was our student editor, uh, often making fun of ourselves. Yes. Um, for our title choices. No, what is this session about? I have no clue. I know. It's like, it's, oh, Jesus healed the 10 lepers. Oh, <laughs> go fancy that. There you go. Um, so I think it's about Jesus healing 10 lepers. <laughs> That's right. Um, but we do this because, you know, we have to, we have to laugh at ourselves um, <laughs> sometimes. So again, little behind the scenes look at life in gospel project land. <laughs> <laughs> So um, let's think about this passage, though, uh, from a different perspective, not us making fun of ourselves, but us actually trying to help disciple other people, uh, because really that's uh, that's what we're all called to do. That is our mission. That is our goal. Um, so what kind of guidance can we offer um, to someone who is discipling other people, whether it's a singular person or a group? 
Yeah, the first one is something we can read over pretty quickly at the very beginning of this account. And it's, we read that Jesus went to the synagogue as was his, his custom, his habit. Um, and, and we can't miss that. Jesus was in a regular rhythm of going to the synagogue. He was gathering with other people to worship, to learn, to grow. Mm-hmm. We have been called, those of us who are believers, have been called to gather as a local church. Hebrews 10.25 is a, a verse that's on the nose about this. Um, <laughs> but you can read this throughout all of the scripture. I mean, it's clear. We are to gather. It's assumed we gather. Um, and and for us, though, I, I think this reminds me that when it comes to gathering with a local church, it's not an issue of I have to. It should be an issue of I get to. Mm-hmm. If I'm coming at this from I have to because Scripture tells me I need to, and there's truth to that, of course, but if that's my primary motivation, I'm missing it. Yeah. I get to. It's a joy. It is a blessing. It's a privilege to gather, and so it should be our pattern as well. It was Jesus's pattern. We are walking in his steps. We are, we are trying to pattern our lives after his. Let it be our habit, our rhythm as well. In this as well, we should also be um, considering how our perspective of Jesus can change um, in in mom- from moment to moment. So uh, these people were were very fickle, um, but you know we can be too. And when things go well for us, it's really easy for us to be all about Jesus. But when mm-hmm. life gets hard, or um, or let's just be honest, sometimes we're just mildly inconvenienced. Um, right now we're in a season where we're, we're, we're more than mildly inconvenienced. Um, we're still recording this during the, um, while safer at home initiatives are still, um, at work in many States across the United States and in many countries as well. Um, and so, you know, for some of us, this is it, it can be a bit more of a moderate inconvenience. For some of us, it's really, really hard. Um, some people that are feeling very uncertain in their in their jobs and and in their financial situations. And so in those moments, it's very easy to feel betrayed by Jesus. Um, yeah. and like that God isn't in control and that he doesn't love us and that he doesn't care about us. And so in these moments, we need to help one another strive to um, believe just even simple truths about who God is and what he is like. And so, um, I, I mean, I've shared this on the show on, on this show before. Um, but it's, it's something that even just today we were talking about in, you know, with, with my kids that it's like, God, God is good. God is in control. God loves us. Those, those things are always true, no matter our circumstances. And so they need to help. They need to, we need to get those truths in our heads and remember them and repeat them to ourselves, especially in those moments when we are tempted to believe otherwise about Jesus. Brian, I think that's probably a good place for us to wrap this up for today. Um, so thanks for, for hanging out and uh, thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.